I just want to echo that song and even Kim's prayer. Man, I just love that chorus line. Come as you are. Right, we come and we bring an offering of song, which is a great thing. We come and we bring an offering of, of our resources, which is a great thing. But sometimes all we come, all we come with is our, our junk, right? Sometimes the only thing we have to give God is like a messed up week and, and an angry spirit and like a life that just looks like it's kind of fallen into the hole, the pit. And yet that's what's so great about our God, church, is that he will take that. Yes, he wants your praise. Yes, he wants your resources. Yes, he wants your heart. He'll even take your, your junk. What a great God that is. I don't want your junk. We've done a garage sale at the church before, and it was like, no, thanks, but no thanks. God will take your junk. He's a great God, a great God. Great to have you today, especially if it's your first time with us today, or maybe it's your, your second time. Maybe last week at Easter Sunday was your first time with us. Thanks for giving us another shot. Thanks for checking us out again. We've got the I'm New table. Uh, like Ryan mentioned, fill out the connection card. Get a free gift, just a little thank you gift for, uh, from us, as well as a bunch of information about uh, this church, what God is doing in this place, how you can get involved, uh, all those different things. Speaking of last week and Easter Sunday, well, first of all, every time I hear the word hallelujah now, I'm like, I'm like Pazlov's dogs, right? I'm like, stand, stand, stand. One song. It was one star. Jeez. We were so into it in the front, man. We were lost in prayer. We didn't notice that 700 other people were standing. Anyway. But Easter Sunday, I am so grateful to everyone who played a part in our Easter Sunday services. The choir uh, during first service, our praise band at second service. Char recreated the Holy Week downstairs in the lower GP for the kids. Our snow removal team on Wednesday and then again on Friday. So many people helped pull Easter off. And I'm just grateful if, if that describes you, if you were a part of that church. Close to 1,500 people last week heard about the resurrection and the life. In Jesus Christ. And that's because of all your service, all your help. So thank you guys for that. Thanks if you invited friends or family members. Thanks if you just drug somebody off the street and brought them in with you. Uh, but here's the thing, church. What happened last week on Easter Sunday in this church, it doesn't have to just be an Easter thing. That can be an every week kind of thing where we experience that kind of life, that kind of energy, those kind of numbers, that kind of excitement and passion and life change. I want to make it an every week kind of thing. So uh, let's, let's continue to pray and work towards that. This morning, we're continuing in our series on the Holy Spirit, uh, a series that we, we named after a verse in the scripture, but also after a movie that came out several years ago. Not sure if you saw the movie Limitless. Uh, it was about a certain pill that you could take that would enhance your mental capacities. It allowed you to increase the, the number of brain cells that you could utilize and use at any one time. And so this pill, when taken, allowed you and empowered you to do things you normally couldn't do otherwise. It was a pretty cool idea. It was actually a pretty good movie. But here's the thing, church. If what I read in Scripture is true, if what the Bible says is accurate, then there is an even greater power. There is an even greater ability available to every single Christian. And it's not found in a pill. It's found in a person. And that person goes by the name of the Holy Spirit. And when you have him, and scratch that. Jesus says, you're not only going to have him when you are filled with him, when he literally lives in you, then the same spirit, the same power, the same person that brought life to the world in the beginning, that brought life to Mary's womb, that even brought back Jesus's dead body back to life, that same spirit, he's now in you. Yeah, forget the pill. I want the person. I want that person. 
And so we've been spending the last couple of weeks understanding and talking about who that person is. This morning, we move kind of from the form and function of this person, a discussion in the last few weeks about who he is and how he acts like a dove, how he acts like fire, how he acts like wind, how he acts like water. We move from that discussion into a discussion about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm excited for that. Let me pray for us before we dive in. God, would you speak to us now as you did in Acts 2, God? Would you anoint my message and my words and my tongue with power from on high? And would each of us hear exactly what we need to hear in exactly the way we need to hear it so that we'll be different, so that we'll be changed, that we will start to experience life now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, there are different ways to say, I love you. You can say it in Mandarin, wo I ni. I worked on that for a while. Uh, you could say it in Italian, ti amo. You could say it in German, ich liebe dich. For some reason, German just doesn't sound romantic, doesn't it? It's like, yeah, don't call me that again, okay? But according to Gary Chapman, author of The Five Love Languages, not only are there different ways to say I love you, there are different ways to show someone that you love them. He calls these expressions of love, love languages or love dialects, and they actually transcend all other languages. They are the physical form, if you will, of, of showing somebody that you love them. He breaks them down into five. There's physical touch. I feel most loved when you hold me, when you kiss me, when you rub my back, when you sit next to me in the pickup truck. There's acts of service. I feel most loved when you do things for me, like wash the dishes or watch the kids. In first service, I said wash the kids, and uh, that's still an act of service. <laughs> There's words of affirmation. I feel most loved when you tell me how great my sermon was, how much you like my new shoes. There's quality time. I feel most loved when I have your uninterrupted time and your undivided attention. And then finally, there's gifts. I feel most loved when you buy me something, when you make me something, when you get me something. And I've told you this before, and I hate to admit it every time, but I am a gifts guy. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to stop you from serving me or affirming me or hanging out with me. I might stop you from touching me. That might be a little weird. Uh, but in my world, nothing says I love you more than a brand new car <laughs> or a brand new watch or a brand new anything for that matter. But I bring all that up this morning to set up our next few weeks. One of the things that fascinates me about God's love for us is that it transcends and encapsulates, if you will, every single one of those expressions of love. You go down the list and God loves us in that way. From taking on flesh to speaking words of life, from promising to never leave us to dying on the cross for us. God uses touch and words and service and time. He speaks those love languages, doesn't he? But he also speaks the love language of gifts. And I just happen to think that's his favorite one. I'm not just saying it because it's mine. God is a gift giver. But you see, when it comes to the, the gifts that God has given to us, we, we assume and tend to think they fall into the categories of health or wealth or stuff or success, right? Those are the gifts that he has given to us. On Monday, we took the day off and took the girls up to Copper Mountain and the tubing hill that's up there. Man, we had a great time. We'd never been in tubing before. We, we laughed a lot. We screamed a lot. And then afterward, we ate a lot. 
Like, what is it with snow sports? After you do something in the snow, you have to eat, don't you? It's weird. It's like, thank you, God. Sure, I'll do that. But throughout the whole day, I just couldn't help but thank God for the gifts, right? The gift of my wife, the gift of my girls, the gift of our car to get up there, the gift of a day off, the gift of the snow, the gift of this inner tube. It was just so many great gifts that were a part of that day. And those are good gifts. And the scripture makes it clear that those are good gifts from God. But the scripture also makes it clear that there's a whole nother set of gifts that he wants to give us that have nothing to do with health and wealth, stuff, or success. And these are actually even greater gifts than the ones that we typically think that he's given to us. Let me show you what I mean. 1 Peter 4.10 is our new memorized one for the month of April. It says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Now, Peter's not talking about a mountain here or an inner tube or a day off or, or a, a couple of kids. He's talking about something unique now. It's a phrase that he says is spiritual gifts or gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, think about this with me. At the Last Supper, Jesus described the Holy Spirit as a gift, didn't he? He said, I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to leave you with a parting gift, it was the gift of his life, the gift of his breath. It was the gift of the Holy Spirit. But it seems like that particular gift comes with several other gifts. I guess you could call the Holy Spirit the gift that keeps on giving. He's like a Costco membership, if you think about it, right? The gift of a Costco membership is like so much more than just the gift itself. That gift comes along with the gift of free samples on Saturdays. Or like two-foot-long hot dogs for a dollar, Piece of pizza you can't even hold with two hands. Right? Like, that's the gift that keeps on giving. Well, the Holy Spirit is the gift that keeps on giving. The gift of the Spirit seems to come with gifts from the Spirit. Gifts like faith, wisdom, healing, leadership, teaching, prophecy, encouragement, mercy, hospitality, miracles, tongues. These are special. These are supernatural. These are spiritual gifts that are given to you from the Spirit himself. The problem, though, when it comes to these gifts, when it comes to the gifts that the Spirit gives out, is they tend to weird us out, or worse, freak us out. Recently read about a pastor and his wife. They found they were pregnant with their first daughter. So they were thinking about what to name their new child. The couple decided to name her Karis. So the pastor shared the name with his associate pastor who immediately gave him this look that communicated something is very, very wrong. He says, what? what's the problem? You don't like the name Karis? The associate pastor said, well, I love the name Karis, but your last name is Maddox. The pastor still didn't see a problem with this. He said, Karis Maddox. Karis Maddox. Charismatics. Do you not see the problem now? Well, you see, when it comes to spiritual gifts and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we automatically tend to think about the charismatics, do we not? And that association for many of us is not a good one. Charismatics are believers who are loud and proud of their spirit-enabled abilities. They believe that the ways in which the Spirit moved in the New Testament, especially the book of Acts, are still the ways that he moves today. The expressions of the Spirit as experienced in the early church is still the expressions of the Spirit that can be experienced in our church. But when most of us hear the word charismatics, what do we think about? We think about TV evangelists, right, in, in white suits that are slaying people in the Spirit. 
See, we can't do that here. You'd fall into the orchestra pit. That would be a, be a difficult thing. Or we tend to think about people laughing hysterically over in the corner. story I told you a few weeks ago. We tend to think about folks who raise their voice, raise their hands, or who raise the roof with exuberant praise. But all of that causes us to kind of raise our eyebrows. Kim was talking about our walls this morning with the Spirit. Man, call it skepticism. Call it cynicism. Call it intellectualism. Call it whatever ism you want to. But a lot of us are a little freaked out or weirded out by the the gifts that the Spirit gives out. Spiritual gifts, ah, that's what the charismatics believe in. Spiritual gifts, that's what the charismatics do. Spiritual gifts, no, that's for charismatics, not for us. But, but therein lies the problem. Okay, so we doubt and we discount what charismatics say about spiritual gifts, but that causes us to doubt and discount what the scripture actually says about spiritual gifts. Because even though some strange things have been done underneath the banner of Pentecostalism, every Christian, hear me now, every Christian is called to be a charismatic. Now just hold on for a second, all right? Don't walk out yet. The word used throughout the New Testament, the word that Peter used there for spiritual gifts, for gifts of the Holy Spirit, is the word charismata. Charismata. It's a Greek word meaning good gifts from God. My hope this morning is to kind of change this word in your minds to mean something it never has before, to cause this, for this word to cause within you this response that is so good, that is so life-giving. It's kind of like the hyenas in Lion King, or like Mufasa, like, (laughs) charismata. Good gifts from God. Yes, crazy things have been done with these gifts. Sure, crazy things have been said about these gifts. Okay, I'll I'll give you that that crazy things have been taught about these gifts. But God's charismata is not only for charismatics. Charismata is for Christians everywhere. For each and every one of us. Look back at 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a charismata from his great variety of charismata. See, God wants you to be a charismatic. He wants you to have a charismata. Now, do I feel the need to slay people in the spirit, roll around on the ground, laugh hysterically? Well, not right now. But do I believe that the power and person of the Holy Spirit is still alive today? Absolutely. Do I believe that every single gift that we read about in the first century church, the New Testament, is available to us today? Absolutely. So don't let, don't let one thing or one little thing or an expression of the thing change and determine and, and then kind of forever taint your understanding of the main thing, which is that God has a charismata for you, a gift for you of spiritual nature that will change everything. But we get confused, don't we? We get this all mixed up and we get these messages in our head and, and we're not sure what to think about these things. And we're not the only ones. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. About the charismata, about the gifts of the Spirit, I don't want you to be uninformed or ignorant, Paul says to the Corinthian church. The New Living Translation says it this way. Brothers and sisters, you have to stop misunderstanding this. That's exactly what we do. We misunderstand this. When it comes to charismata, a lot of us are thoroughly confused. It happened in the first century church and it still happens today in the 21st century church. 
So before we can get over the next couple of weeks to the specifics of these wonderful gifts, what they are, how we receive them, how we use them, what they look like, how we can pray and ask for different gifts, before we can get to any of that, we've got to try to undo some of the confusion that's out there. We need some clarity when it comes to charismata. So this morning, four core truths about charismata. The first is this. The gift of the spirits are gifts, not rewards. Charismata, I told you already, by its very definition, is not something you earn or something you deserve or something you work for. It's a gift. If you're given something because you earned it, that would be a payment. If you're given something because you deserved it, well, that would be like a reward. If you, if you were given something because you worked for it, that would be a wage. But if you're given something when you don't deserve it, when you're given something because nothing, there was no strings attached to it, when you're given something purely out of the other person's generosity and love for you, when you're just given something for no good reason, that's a gift. When I get my paycheck for the church, uh, I don't say, thank you for the great gift. You probably don't thank your employer for the great gift of your paycheck either, do you? Because that's not a gift. That's a payment. You did something and then got something in return. That's not how it is with gifts. You didn't do anything and you got something in return. That's what makes a gift a great gift. That's how it is with spiritual gifts. They are undeserved, unmerited, unwarranted, unearned. The Bible calls them gifts of grace. Look at Romans 12, 6. In his grace, God has given us different charismata for doing certain things well. One verse translates that in, in this way. We each have a gift according to the grace given to us. By its definition, a, a gift is grace. And Paul says, I don't want you to miss this. It is a grace, grace gift. Grace is all over the equation. See, the gifts of the Spirit are similar to the gifts of salvation. They have nothing to do with our goodness, with our devotion, or with, with our uh, response to the Lord. It has everything to do with Jesus and his goodness and his devotion to the Lord. We call it amazing grace because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. Well, the same is true with spiritual gifts. But as Paul said, and as some of us have experienced, some people are confused about this. There's a lot of misunderstanding out there. Some people think that spiritual gifts are given to you because you are more spiritual than others. You ever been in a situation like this before? Where spiritual gifts some sort of litmus test, some sort of proof of, some sort of reward for being a committed follower of Jesus. Well, if you just prayed more, well, if you just had more faith, well, if you were more spiritual, then you could do X, Y, and Z. You ever been in that boat? It doesn't feel very good, does it? I was in a situation one time with a bunch of believers, and they're all speaking in tongues, and things are kind of cool and kind of crazy. And he's like, what's the problem, Thomas? Like, I don't know. What is the problem? Well, you're not speaking in tongues. You haven't asked for it. You haven't, you haven't received it yet. You haven't been spiritual enough, committed enough to experience it. And that hurt. That hurts bad, and that's actually because it's not true. See, it goes against the essence of charismata. Spiritual gifts are gifts, not rewards. They're grace-given, grace-infused, grace-based gifts. You with me? That's the first core truth you've got to understand. Second is this. The gifts of the Spirit are given to all and not just a few. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
Here Paul's talking about spiritual gifts, about charismata, and he says, now to each one these gifts have been given. I looked up the original Greek this week to figure out what was he saying. What does to each one mean? Do you know what it means? To each one. That's amazing. Every person who has proclaimed Jesus as Lord, every person who has given their life to Christ, every person who has been reborn in the spirit, from the guy who's been in church his whole life and served for decades, to the guy who came last week at Easter and been serving the Lord for a couple of days, every single person has received a special spiritual gift from God. As an expression of his love for you, you have received this gift. They aren't just for a handful of believers. They aren't just for most believers. They're for every believer, all believers. And that got me thinking this week. Okay, so that, that means me. I'm part of everyone. That means my wife has a spiritual gift. That means my kids have spiritual gifts. That means our entire youth group has spiritual gift. Our young at heart group has spiritual gifts. Even our choir people or our, our, our upstage people or whatever you people are up there, you have spiritual gifts as well. We don't see you. The lights are off. I can't even see your face, but you have a spiritual gift if you're up there. Okay, I know it. Every single person has received a spiritual gift. Changes the way you kind of talk to people, doesn't it? It kind of changes the way you interact with people. Like you shake somebody's hand, you're like, you have a spiritual gift. God has given you something so special, so supernatural, so unique. That is so cool. Hope that it changes the way that you see people. They're not just people, man. And I want you to stop for a second here and think about the gift itself. Paul says the gift is the manifestation of the spirit. See, the gift that God gives you, it's not like some cheap oriental trading trinket. You ever get one of those? Order like a bazillion little army men from Oriental Trading? It comes in packs of like two million or four million, right? It's like, okay, I guess I'll take two million. It's not that, it's not some second rate souvenir. It's not like you went to a wedding and it was like, oh, you shouldn't have. No, really, really, you shouldn't have. It says the gift is the manifestation of the Spirit. History lesson for a second. How has the Spirit manifested himself in the past? Oh, I don't know. How about a burning bush with Moses? Oh, I don't know. How about a pillar of fire, a pillar of smoke with the Exodus? Oh, I don't know. How about baby Jesus? Oh, I don't know. How about the works and miracles of our Lord? That's the manifestation of the Spirit. And he says that same Spirit, it wants to manifest himself in you. That's the gift. You with me? That's exactly what he has given to you. It's the way that God wants to make himself known to the world. Your gift is how the invisible becomes visible, how the incomprehensible becomes comprehensible, how the spirit is seen in the world. That's your gift. And every single one of you has received one. What Paul said to Timothy is true for all of us. Do not neglect that spiritual gift that you have been given. Don't neglect this gift. Our third major takeaway this morning is this. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are equally important, not some more than others. It seems as if in Paul's day, they became confused as to the role and the importance that each gift played. Some people were super proud of their gift and others were putting people down for their gift. And it makes sense as to why. I mean, some gifts are louder than others. Some gifts are more visible than others. Some gifts are a little bit more public in nature than others. But no one gift is more important than any other. I mean, I know, I know, I know, I know. Everybody in here thinks that preaching is the most important 
most necessary, most life-giving, most valuable, most underappreciated <laughs> gift there is. I know that. But that's not true, is it? That's not true at all. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12. There is one body, but it has many parts. But all of its parts, they make up this one body. It's the same with Christ. We were all baptized by one spirit. And so we formed into one body. It didn't matter whether we were Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free people. We were all given the same spirit to drink. So the body's not made up of just one part. It has many parts. Verse 21, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, well, I don't need you. In fact, it's just the opposite. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are the ones we can't do without. The parts that we think are less important, well, we need to treat with special honor. The private parts, well, they aren't seen or shown, but they are treated with special care. He goes on to say later on, every gift should take care of every other gift. So that means that the gift of preaching, yeah, it's, it's an important gift. But you know what's also important? That gift of encouragement that someone used in the foyer. That gift of making coffee this morning before the church was even awake. The gift of unseen, unnoticed service. That small gift where you gave sacrifice this morning. That gift, that's just as important as what's happening up here in this moment right now. No one gift is more important than any other. That's why Paul compares it to our bodies. I don't know about you, but I've never gone and ranked, ordered my body parts. Have you done that? Like, well, I think this is number one right here, and number two is over here, and number three. And if I had to get rid of a couple, I guess I'd start with number 12 and 13. You don't rank order your body parts. Right? They're all important. They all serve a purpose. They are all necessary. Okay, so people don't see your gift. God does. People don't maybe applaud you or appreciate you for your gift. God does. Maybe you don't even see the impact that your gifts are having on other people. That's okay because God does. In fact, what Jesus says about going into your room and praying quietly and secretly and not letting your hands know what they're doing in terms of giving, maybe he appreciates and values the unseen gifts even more than he does the very physical kind of manifestation of the, of the gifts in the world. Maybe he appreciates the things that are secret and not known about, not even seen. So from the loudest of the gifts to the most lowly of the gifts, all of them are powerful and all of them are to be praised. Our last takeaway this morning is this, so we'll be done. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to build others up, not to puff you up. This is one thing we have to understand about the gifts of the Spirit. They've been given to us so other people will be blessed by us. We have received these gifts, but they're not about us at all. Sure, it's your gift or your gifts, but it's really not about you at all. Look at these verses with me. Again, 1 Peter 4. Each one should use whatever gift he has to boast and brag and beat other people up. No, each one should use his gift to serve others. Ephesians 4.11, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Their responsibility is to hoard these gifts over people and stand in the foyer and say, look at me. No, their responsibility is to build up the church. 1 Corinthians 14.12, so it is with you. Since you are so eager to have charismata and the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel 
in the ways that you build up the church. The spiritual gifts that have been given to you actually aren't really about you. We tend to think that certain gifts are to be showcased in front of others. Like, hey, look at my spiritual gift. Did you see that? Yeah, I just did my spiritual gift. You know, I have the spiritual gift of blah, 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 blah. They're not supposed to be showcased. They're supposed to be shared. They're not supposed to be showcased. They're supposed to be used to serve. Reminds me of the story of a little boy. He was standing in the lobby of a church and he saw a plaque on the wall with a bunch of names listed on it. He was confused by it all, so he asked an usher standing next to him what those names were there for. The usher told the little boy those names were all of the people in the church who died in the service. And the boy replied, which one? The 8.30 or the 10.30? There's an ironic element, though, to that little boy's question. We talked about, in in the songs we even sang about this morning, laying our lives down. Well, how do you do that? How do you take up your cross? How do you give Christ your life? You use your gifts to serve other people. That's That's a practical way to lay down your life. You take this special, spiritual, supernatural gift that you have received, and you use it for the good of other people. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to die for him. Now, will you be encouraged? Will you be filled up? Will you be strengthened? Will you find life as you use your special gift? Of course you will, but it's not about you. That's a great benefit. That's the great thing about our God. When you do things for others, you in return receive, but you don't do it for that reason. You just do it for them. If it's a gift, it's just given, right? And we've been called in response to receiving this gift ourselves, now to give it away to others. So I understand, when it comes to charismata, we're all a little confused. We tend to think it's just for charismatics, but it's not, it's for all of us. Each and every Christian has been called to charismata. In order to really utilize and to use these gifts, you gotta keep these four truths in mind. They are gifts, not rewards. They are given to all, not just a few. They are equally important not some more than others. And all are given to build up others, not to puff you up. One final thing, though, about God's charismata. I'm gonna invite the band to come on up as we kind of enter into uh, the end of our service this morning. I've hinted at it already, but I wanna just go ahead and say it out right now. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are super gifts. They are spiritual gifts. They are supernatural gifts. They are awesome, incredible gifts that God has given to you to say I love you, to express his love for you, but they fail miserably in comparison to one other gift, the gift of Jesus Christ. See, every single spiritual gift they're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks, yeah, they're important, but every single one of them is like those exit signs on the back doors over there. They are pointing to something else. They are pointing to something better, pointing to something greater. We're going to have fun talking about spiritual gifts. And some of you have never had this conversation before. Charismata what? I'm excited to spend a couple of weeks unpacking the unique gift that God has given to you. But before you can understand that, you've got to understand you've already received the greatest gift possible, the gift of Jesus. So we're going to end our service this morning by taking communion. Communion is a memorial meal, a memorial meal meal where we reflect on and remember the gift of God, the gift of Christ, the gift of his life and death, and thus the gift of our life after death. It's a way for us to touch, to taste, to take part in Jesus' life, Jesus' love 
Jesus' gift. So we have six stations set up across the room. Uh, our elders are going to uh, be there. Their el- our elders and one of their wives, well, hopefully they're only, their only wife. How would you say that? <laughs> they've chosen one of their wives to be with them this morning. Not sure which one they've chosen, so go to the station to find out. All right, sorry. Um, I digress. An elder and wife will be at each station. Uh, make your way to that station. Uh, take the elements at the table if you want. Take them back to your seat. Take them there if you want, or just hold on to them. We'll take them together there at the end. But this is a powerful way for us to remember and reflect on the greatest gift we've ever received. And it's important that we take it now so that we remember all other gifts that we're going to talk about the next couple of weeks fail in comparison to this gift. And all other gifts we've received are designed to point people to this gift. You with me? Let's pray about that now. Father, we ask that you will be in the next few moments as we hear you say, I love you through the the love language of gifts. But in fact, Lord, the cross is a universal love language that encompasses all other forms. It's physical, it's relational, Lord. It involves time, it involves words, and it is itself the greatest gift ever. We pray that in the next few moments, God, we will be overwhelmed by this great gift that we have received from you. And as we talk about the ways that we have been gifted, Lord, the special unique traits and skills and and attributes and talents that we each have, God, that we will always remember they they play second fiddle. They, They are less important than the greatest gift already given, the gift of your son, the gift of his body broken on the cross and the gift of his blood shed on the cross. Help us to receive that gift today and to realize that that all other gifts should point to this one. Make it so now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Elders, if you would, make to the stations. Everybody else, take a minute or so and uh, grab communion over the next song or two.